Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, goofballs, scumbags, uh, Shaka Hislopes, Alexis Vegas, <laughs> and uh, and all that. Y'all know what time it is. We uh, we back at it again. We are here for episode thirty-four of the Football Misfits. I am your host, LV, aka Paper Fronto, aka Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. AKA, I should have kept my game stop stocks because them joints are through the roof. That's neither here nor there. I'm sitting here with the good brother Ronnie, as always. Ronnie, it was good for the one time. Oh, what's good, everybody? All this purple haze in my brain. How are we doing, everybody? <laughs> Bars. Okay. Yeah, don't, uh, y'all can uh, excuse Ronnie. Ronnie's got the good smile on his face today because. Uh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. <laughs> My bad. Let me not. Let me not. Let me, let me not take that from you. Let me not take that from you. Tegusi, cap tegusi. Never mind. I'll get, it <laughs> I'll get it later. It's cool. I'll get it later. Don't worry about it. And uh, luckily for us today, we are also sitting with the good brother Spencer, aka the man at the data desk. Spencer, what's good for the one time? What's going on, everybody? Peace and love. Peace and love. Mm, some sexy ass ball. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about Prince William is the sexiest ball man of all time. I I know I look better than that dude. I know that for a fact. But bro, you know, that man is. I mean, if this is football related. He runs the English FA. Okay, so yes, I'm right in saying that on this podcast. Some ugly ass bald man, <laughs> Prince William. <laughs> oh man, there you have it, man. You know what I'm saying? If the football misfits. <clears throat> You're leading gossip podcast. We talk about all the all things uh, sexy, but um, and that's not it. I, I guess that's what happens. That's listen. That's what happens when uh club football shuts down for two weeks of like international <laughs> footy. Let me tell it because Ronnie feels a completely different way. Am I right? I love international footy, but I had to bring that. <laughs> I, I had to bring that point out there. And I saw it the, um at Men and Blazers. They're they're great. They posted that. I'm like, yo, bro, he's the sexiest bald man alive. I, on, I do a podcast with two of them every week, and they are much more fine than that, man. Yeah, nah. Shit. Not, Ronnie sent me that shit, and I was like, I know I look better than that nigga. For, <laughs> for, for sure. He's not, he not even all the way bald, bro. <laughs> you look like a fake-ass Bruno Fernandez. <laughs> you look like Bruno Fernandez went to the dentist. because he, he looked like a tennis him. ball on his last leg. <laughs> he said a, dog, a, dog, a tennis ball that a dog ripped through <laughs> violated. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, what? my match of the week. Let me get. To, let, let's get. To. <laughs> I forgot we do a match of the week, right? Damn, it's international break. All right. International so, yeah. break, but it did provide us some good matches. I have two, but my first one happened on Wednesday with European World Cup qualifiers: Turkey four, Netherlands two. Um, this dude Burak, uh, help me out here with the pronunciation. Yilmaz, Yilmaz, Yilmaz. Listen, man. Just save it for BS of the year. It's coming up. He scored the first two goals for Turkey. And then to open up the second half, Hakan Shalinoglu gave Turkey the 3-0 advantage. But they, the Netherlands relied on their bench to come back, scoring literally like a minute apart. I think Luke de Jong scored both of them, if I'm, if I'm correct. But I thought they were going to make a game out of it. 3-2, had until like business time of the match. But Burak netted his third in the 81st minute. Hat-trick hero for the Turkish. 4-2 winners in Istanbul. 
then Turkey went on to beat Norway today, Sunday, when we're recording. Um, Turkey, they are, I think, going to be a dark horse at the Euros this summer. The Netherlands, they're going to be good, but games like we saw today might be a little bit hard for the Dutch. But Turkey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ride with them as my dark horse this summer. Would you happen to agree with that, Ovi? Um, I'm going to disagree. Oh. Uh, shout out to Turkey. I think um, there are too many teams that are really good, and I feel like because there's so many good teams, there's like tiers now of dark horses. I will say, though, <laughs> if anybody got a shot over a alleged dark horse, which could be England, it's Turkey. So I'll say I might, I might put them in front of England at the very least. But no, too many. I feel like there's too many teams that you could consider a dark horse. I feel like Portugal can even be, cons- despite the fact that they're the defending. Portugal is a pure favorite. Yeah, they won the def- they won the last. Yeah, years. they are a favorite. Is that I don't know because they have. Yeah, but uh, you look at their squad, and I mean, compared to like Belgium, who I feel like uh, squad wise should be the out and out favorites and then you look at france who you know it can go back and forth either way i thought like those two are the top top of the top portugal's uh, shortly uh, just just under them and then i would categorize england and turkey like with the outside chance so i don't know they i guess to have I some like, people tell it england is like the favorites to win the competition just because the semis in the final are at wembley yeah that's the daily mail uh, that's the daily mail saying that propaganda we don't but we don't believe you but look at so. their group <clears throat> Look at their group. They have Italy, Wales, and Switzerland. Right. And, oh, to be fair, you know, you just reminded me, Italy actually look really good, in my opinion. They look really good. I think Italy are going to go through. Could, They're going to win their could, group, if anything. Right. And you, I would say you could throw them into the Dark Horse conversation as well, personally. Not, not going to say they're going to win it. I'm not saying that on, on record, so don't hold me to that yet. But what I'm saying is that they are definitely in the conversation for Dark Horse. They have a bunch of younger dudes. Um, a lot of it, the AC Milan squad um, is on the uh, Italian national team. And they just, uh, their results they've been pulling out, they look good. They, they play good. I don't know. I, I agree with you. Italy is a team that has gotten stronger over the years, especially after having missed last World Cup. But in terms of dark horse, like a team that we might not expect to make it far, but still do it, like what Wales did at the 2016 Euros, they made it all the way to the semifinal. I'm not saying Turkey gonna make it to the semifinals. I'm, I'm saying that Turkey have a good shot at probably upsetting some teams, make it to at least maybe the quarterfinal, depending on the draw. That's really my what my stance is on the Turkish side. But I agree with you on your Italy point. I say all that to say I, I saw Turkey and they were hot. So that was my game of the week. Well, one of my games of the week. Sorry, LV. How about you? Yeah, I mean, listen, um, because it was a, a clubless week of fo- footy, I had to, you know, watch as much as I could. So there were some things that I did catch. And like you, Ronnie, I also have two games of the week this time around. So, hey, listen, man, we get, we, we keeping it popping as much as I can hate on the international games. Uh, you wasn't lying. There was a lot going on, a lot of good games. And um, they were obviously because they're World Cup qualifiers, it was a bit more serious. So, you know, a lot more enjoying, enjoyable to watch, I would say. The first one for me, the USMNT, a.k.a. the most gassed team in the world, and that's saying something, uh, versus Jamaica. Uh, this game was on Thursday. I got to say it was a Serginho Dest show. That was the real reason uh, why it's, it was my game of the week, personally. Jamaica honestly had nothing to offer, to be quite fair. And, uh, man, the Barcelona kid, Serginho Dest, he came to play. 
or he came to show out at the very least. Um, he was cutting, he was acting like Lionel Messi over there, cutting through players from the fullback position, acting like he was a winger, doing whatever he wanted. And they culminated in a goal in the 34th minute, the opening goal of the game. A screamer from outside the box. Keeper was like, what? Who is this kid? It was like a diet version of Messi's goal versus PSG in the second leg of the Champions League. Overall, game finished 4-1 USA with goals coming after Serginho Dest's 34th minute screamer from Brendan Aronson, who came on and also looked pretty hot. Um, and then uh, Sebastian Leg. Man, how are players from the U.S. American national team trying to have wild last names confusing me? Come on, guys. I think the pronunciation is legit. Wow. I thought I was going to get a pass. I'm like, all right, it's the USA national team. I can pronounce these names. But, yeah, as Ronnie said, uh, Sebastian Huza, what's it, uh, with, a, with a brace in the 83rd and 90th minute. Uh, 4-1 USA. That was one of my favorite games. So my second, it featured um, potential Euros and World Cup favorites, Belgium versus the Gareth Wales. I can't even act like I I, I created that one. That was from uh, my boy Expressions using sauce on uh, the funniest Spurs fan of all time. Um, <laughs> but um, that's neither here nor there. So Belgium versus the Gareth Wales over in Belgium at the Dendrief King Power Stadium. Yeah, there's more than one King Power Stadium. Isn't that, isn't that something? And this was on a, on a good old Wednesday on March 24th. And um, to be honest, the game started with Wales, and it looked like they had a sort of game plan. And all that hot stuff Gareth Bale was talking over the weekend before the game started, we'll get to that in a second. It seemed to be paying off because uh, he was on point, um, sort of playing the free role and kind of the number 10 and directing passes through the midfield. And they were cutting through Belgium like it was butter for a second early on in the game, however. This all culminated in a goal from Harry Wilson in the 10th minute, assisted by Gareth Bale, a simple... uh, you know, low through ball just outside the box from Bale for an easy finish from Wilson in the 10th minute. And uh, you would have thought based on that, that Wales might have been coming for Belgium's neck as they did uh, not so long ago, the Euros in 2016. And so it seemed like the game might have been going in that direction. But um, one man who y'all know very well, very familiar, you don't need to Google it. He goes by the red face, Kevin DeBrowner. And um, he had he had something to say about all that. He took it very personal when Wales scored early to open uh, open the matchup, and it was the KDB show for the rest of the 90th minute, uh, the 90 minutes there. My son was sending in dangerous crosses on the right side. He was pulling up on the left side, cutting in and shooting. Um, he, he was unstoppable as he as he usually is. Um, and shortly after Wilson's goal in the 10th minute, KDB came. <laughs> so what happened was. KDB, maybe in the 17th or 18th minute, just after Wales had scored, sent in a laser of a cross that missed every Belgian player's head. <laughs> Thomas, Thomas, Thomas Vermaelen, I'm shocked he was playing. Thomas Vermaelen missed it. Romelu Lukaku whiffed it. Um, nobody put their put anything to that ball when it could have. It, all it needed was just a simple redirection, and it would have went in. And from that point on, KDB said, "I got to do it all myself." And a couple minutes later. Pulled up instead on the right side from the left side and sh- shot a laser, a laser, just outside the box and uh, sent it right past Wales keeper. <laughs> no, no chance in hell he was going to save that. And then from there, Belgium applied the full pressure like Wales owed them some money. Fam, it was crazy. 
Goals coming from Thurgan, Thorgan Hazard just after that. And then finally capping it off with the bald menace himself, Romelu Lukaku, in the 73rd minute courtesy of a penalty. Um, and that was all she wrote. Wales started hot. It sounded hot. But uh, Belgium really uh, was, was, uh, came with that action. So uh, Belgium three, Wales one. Another fine bald man. Yeah, look, look much better than what's his name, uh, William. <laughs> Even his name, ball ass. William. <laughs> My second game of the day of the week, rather, it ended literally moments before we started recording, and it took place at the Concacaf Men's Olympic Qualifying Tournament. Hey. Semi-final between Honduras and the United States. Juan Carlos Obregón scored in added time in the first half, followed by a Luis Palma goal. Um, Ochoa, the American goalkeeper, had a little bit of a blunder. He tried to like play it out to one of his players, but Luis Palma just you know one-footed it into the net. Two nothing Honduras, but. The U.S. did grab a goal back off of a screamer by the team captain, Jackson Yu. Little boy, tell him. <laughs> Let's go. But that was all the United States could do. And the score ended Honduras 2, United States 1. Honduras are going to the Olympic Games again. Can I get an air horn for that? It is Honduras' fourth consecutive Olympic Games, having made it in Beijing, London, Rio, and now Tokyo. And it's also five of their last six, dating back to Sydney 2000 with Athens 04 being the lone hiccup. And for the listeners who don't know, and y'all by, by now y'all should know, Honduras is the motherland for the big Ronnie. Um, and so oh, we need triple air horns at this point. I don't even know. But, uh, it's not like, I mean, it's not the, quite the World Cup yet, but hey, listen, at least one of our teams, uh, made national sides made it somewhere. So, uh, so it's funny you say that. Well, but while we were prepping for this, um, I come across uh, Instagram, some guy called Emilio, he posted a little bit after the game ended, a final score graphic of the USA beating Northern Ireland today in the friendly. And the caption was, and I quote, for everyone laughing at US flag emoji for not going to the Olympics, we are focused on the Gold Cup and World Cup, not the Farmers Olympics face palm emoji. Hashtag USA, hashtag Mexico, hashtag soccer, football, football, Neymar, CR7, Messi. Okay. Hashtag, um, hashtag bitter and sad. Hashtag ooh, you so. <laughs> I don't know, dude. It does look like he is a little bitter. And considering earlier in this Olympic qualifying competition, the U.S. beat Costa Rica one nothing, and the post was, and I quote again: "We just won with our D team for the U23 tournament. If this doesn't show that we have the best team in Concacaf, IDK what?" Will, US emoji, top emoji, and then all those hashtags. Um, how the tide has turned. Ooh, how the tide has turned. He needs to add the, he needs to go ahead and click the edit button 
and add the salty emoji, the bitter and sad emoji, the throw up emoji, and the uh, should have been the women's national team emoji. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're mad and I understand it. American fans aren't really feeling happy at the moment considering that they haven't made an Olympic since Beijing 08. I got the upset and I get the frustration, but for you to call the Olympics a farmer's competition, <laughs> that definitely sounds like you are a bitter heifer. <laughs> yeah, anything called a heifer is hilarious. <laughs> but that wasn't your tone earlier this week. Mm, so you're saying you got to keep the same energy? got to keep the same energy. You could be like, yo, it's disappointing. We'll try again four years from now. Um, we'll still have the Gold Cup and the World Cup to focus on. But to call the to call the Olympics a farmer competition, you definitely would not be saying that same song had the U.S. qualified beating Honduras. Just saying. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, listen, man, uh, I might say this more than one time tonight, so just beware. But as Jose Maria says, hey, USMNT fans, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, we are going back to the Olympics. Last time we were there, we came up just short of obtaining a bronze medal, losing to well, getting washed by Brazil, and then losing to Nigeria in the third place game. And I don't want to talk about what happened in 2012. Um, long story short, that's my first time of Neymar, and I'm not a fan. And thus began the. Uh... Uh, the, the hatred and uh, the beginning of the, it was like the Joker versus Batman. Uh, Ronnie being Batman and Neymar being the Joker. Beef. Straight beef. Pause. <laughs> now, while we're recording, Mexico and Canada are playing right now. And the winner of that will join Honduras. And when that happens, the field for the Olympics will be set. And we can give you previews of the Olympics when we get there. It's not till like late July, early August. So can't yeah, wait. I'll, can't wait for the Olympics. Sorry to cut you off, but can't wait for the uh, Olympics out in Japan, where I believe the Japanese government has said that there is no cheering allowed, just some clapping. It's gonna be like a a nice little golf tournament. Not not that wild golf tournament in Arizona that they be just going nut on white claws, but yes, <laughs> Mad Long Island iced teas and white claws. Uh, How you gonna have a Long Island um, in Arizona? That's what I want to know. It's mad far, fam. That is, but they they just throw names at stuff. I don't know. But you mentioned your excitement for the Olympics. I am too. I'm excited for this summer's Euro Championship, as we were just talking about a couple minutes ago. Copa America is this summer too, as is, I believe, the Concacaf Gold Cup. That's the guy I was referring to earlier, but um. It's going to be a fun summer of footy this year. and Much to the dismay of my girl, who is usually used to the fact that the summer period is when uh, the uh, footy stops. And, uh, and uh, aside from COVID, uh, aside from the pandemic, when most sports, aside from baseball, kind of uh, stop for, the, uh, for the most of the summer. So uh, much to her dismay. Listen, it's going to be a live summer. Footy, we got we got the we got the the conclusion of this season on the club level yet to play out uh, through May, and we've got the Euros following suit just shortly after that, along with the Concacaf uh, Gold Cup as well as Copa America, 
and then the Olympics right after, followed by the rebirth of domestic leagues across Europe. For you and I, Ronnie, we got we got some stuff to pot about this summer. But let's not go that yes. far. And um, I, I want to go. I want to go a little bit further. All this summer tournaments and stuff, we don't really get without international footy. Uh, I see. I see how you brought it uh, right back to uh, the age-old argument that you and I have. <laughs> I don't even think it's an argument that we have because yes, while you might not like the period where leagues are dormant, you would still watch games and you would still be fan of it, as you just said, as your favorite games were this week. But yes, sir. Again, uh, who wants to watch England, San Marino, England, Albania? Okay. Well, you also get your. Turkey versus Netherlands, or your Belgium, Wales, Belgium, Czech Republic was another good one. France, Ukraine was good. Yeah, I mean, uh, to your point, Ronnie, uh, this international break specifically was um, pretty good. Uh, a lot of um, not only high scoring games, but just competitive games overall. And this may or may not be because there's something on the line, i.e., World Cup qualifiers. Um, and at, when, the, when those moments come where you know, you have the uh, games that are that mean something, whether whether they have some sort of qualification on the line. You know, you can sit there and watch. Uh, obviously, some depending on how they have the pots and the groups won't be as fun as you mentioned. For example, today Denmark thrashed Moldova eight um, nil. Everybody and their mama scored. Every every guard Berg Jensen and you know and then some uh, scored a goal. So yeah, you know. It, it, I think my beef with it is more um, that it cuts off the club footy sometimes, and that is what it is. Or, <laughs> my fault, <laughs> got to get my Mourinho on. And that is what it is. When I, else are going to play matches, though? Right. And, and, and listen, I can't, I can't complain on it. And like you said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch regardless. And um, this past week specifically in international footy has been very much entertaining to say the least. I can't, I can't complain a bit, whether it was uh, Port Portugal, Serbia, which we'll get to at some point, uh, Belgium, Wales, which I men mentioned before. And these games were the games that, you know, um, featured the big teams. Uh, France, for example, um, was down early playing uh, Ukraine. Um, Spain was down early, earlier today, uh, playing Georgia. So, you know, just- In Georgia. Hey, they, listen, it, they probably felt the pressure, man. That's that's very close to the Iron Curtain, as you mentioned before. And so, <laughs> hey, listen, man, uh, I I've got no no complaints specifically about this week's international footy, but yeah, man. Uh, and, and you also mentioned before how how do you get to the World Cup without all of these games? And that's a very solid point that I got to take. Not even just that. Like, let's go to Africa for a moment, where they're currently doing playing qualifiers for the Africa Cup of Nations. Two nations that stand out are Comoros and Gambia. Both qualified for the first time ever. Shouts to the resident Sierra Leonean Man United fan, H-Man Coker. He shared a story of the streets in Gambia just going crazy, celebrating this accomplishment. You don't get that without international. You don't get Aubameyang celebrating with Gabon because they made it to Euro. I mean, I'm sorry, because they made it to the AFCON. And when teams start to qualify for the World Cup, you start to see the same thing. This might have been in 2014 when Honduras beat Mexico in Mexico, one of the only two teams to ever do that in World Cup qualifying. It's moments like that that also bring out the joy of international footy. And yeah, I know you'll have some, you know, injuries happen, but I feel like those are few and far between to having a big players. But 
that's just um the one thing you gotta have to accept about international footy. Like Drees Mertens today was limping out off the field. It's not like every one of the top players just fall like flops like flies. No. So I enjoy it. Yeah. No, I, I, I take I what we get. I definitely agree in, um, on that point. Uh, and, you know, I'll never dispute the, uh, you know, what the international game means uh, to the fans and um, to people across the world. It's slightly different than club footy where specific fandoms can feel a certain way. But, uh, you know, mo moments like you mentioned with Comoros um, being in Gambia, being able to qualify uh, for tournaments that aren't even the World Cup and how big they can be for the entire you know, for the, the entire population that cares to watch about footy, you know, it's a representation thing. And hey, man, listen, it's a beautiful thing, and that's what the beautiful game does. Uh, it, you know, it, whether or not you mess with the international footy or don't, you can't hate on moments like that. Whether or not I do hate on it, the games are going to play. So it is what it is. Some people might not like the international breaks because of incidents that we saw in the. Serbia versus Portugal match, which you mentioned earlier, and let's just jump right into that. Um, Diogo Hota scored a pair of baggers in the first half, straight from the head off of some crosses into the box. Perfect placement. And then Alexander Mitrovic, to start the second half, put Serbia within a goal. And then Kostic, the guy from, I believe he plays for Eintracht Frankfurt, he leveled the scoring before very in the very last moment of the game, Cristiano Ronaldo gets a long ball into his feet, goes into the goal. A Serbian player clears it, and then they take another shot. The keeper saves it. But when you look at the replay, however, the ball crossed the line. That should have been a goal. Ronaldo was livid, and the match ended to all. Yeah, that ball went in. Clear as day. I mean, and if this were 2010 or 2011 or, you know, even before then, you could, you know, you could pull the Jose Mario and say it is what it is. But, you know, we live in the age of VAR. We live in the age of goal line technology at the very least. And Ronaldo deserves to be frustrated because I don't understand how World Cup qualifiers don't have VAR uh, review Um while you'll see things, as Jurgen Klinsmann mentioned earlier today on via ESPN FC, you'll see it on an MLS friendly. So it's it's unbelievable for a competition or a qualifying course that sends you to the biggest tournament in the world. Not to say that Portugal won't make it there, but by all means, these three points or whatever the case may be, they do mean everything. And so exactly for that to just happen is honestly unacceptable. The report saying that the referee um, approached the Portuguese manager post-match and said that, you know, he was going to review the footage and if it was, in fact, the goal, he would apologize. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's good and dandy, but what does an apology really mean when those two points are dropped, period, after that goal clearly went in? So we have the technology at use, and it's been in, at use um, at the World Cup, It'll you know, and I just don't understand why the qualifiers don't have it. It's kind of nuts to think about. So, um, yeah. The argument that I see is that a lot of 
nations are small and can't afford the VAR or at least goal line technology, which you don't even need VAR. Goal line technology would have just told you the ball went in. Boom. Right. Exactly. But my so, argument to that is you're FIFA. You, you're elitist. You have all <laughs> you have the bank. <laughs> you got Qatar money. We saw the bid. Y'all got Qatar money. You got oil money. <laughs> yes, sir. But you can't give VAR or at least goal line technology to a country like Gibraltar, to a country in Latin America, to a country in Africa or the islands out in the East Indies. Like, no excuse. FIFA should definitely be helping out these nations. And, oh, the pandemic is probably going to be excuse number one. But how long have you had this type of technology? You could have been you could have been investing in it, but no. Yeah, so. you're right. And what you mentioned the goal line technology. VAR aside, at the very least, the goal line technology could be something that could be implemented. And, and, and I mean, since it's been implemented, with, the, with, with FIFA being the leading, you know, I hate this word, but the thought leader in terms of the new technologies that have been implemented, you would assume that they would cover their asses and, and take care of at least the goal line technology because it, it's messing up the game. And, and this is an example of that, you know, um, we mentioned this clear goal. Uh, you know, the ball was obviously over the line and then some. It reminds me of Frank Lampard versus Germany, England versus Germany in the 2010 or 2014. It was 2010. I remember it clearly. It was a round of 16 game. Where he scored a screamer from just outside the box, hit the top of the post, kissed the top of the post and bounced in uh, the net and then bounced back out. And it wasn't called a goal. Now, obviously, this led to the demise of England as Germany went to thrash them. But, um, you know, even though that was on the world stage and that wasn't available back then, that was 11 years ago. Um, So you would would think that um, at least FIFA had covered their bases, but it is what it is. It shouldn't be. And it it shouldn't be, but unfortunately it is. Now, in regards to Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, you know, we, we saw him after the game. Basically, you know, shaking his head, shaking his hands, and then walking off the pitch, throwing his captain's arm in on the ground. Uh, what did you make of his reaction? Did you think it was anything? It was a natural reaction of pure frustration. I've seen Ronaldo get mad at calls. I don't go his team's way. But this right here was like a next level reaction. Like He was heated. He was hot. Um, I don't blame him for it. And this goes back to the point I was saying about international footy being great. He He's taken that to the ass because it's his home country he's playing for. And he doesn't want to see, you know, a possible Portugal not make it into the World Cup, even though I doubt it. But this game could be the point that we look at. Like, yo, if they had goal on technology, Ronaldo... Fernandez, Jota would all be at the World Cup. But back to the Ronaldo reaction in particular, yeah, it was uh, a heat in the moment stuff. And I'm seeing people take the part of him tossing his captain's armband to the ground in particular. Some people have said, um, you shouldn't do that as a captain of your country, while others are saying it was, it's not like he disrespected Portugal. That wasn't his intent. He was just mad and he just wanted to grab something and then just toss it. I I agree with the latter. 
it, it was more so that than put than Ronaldo saying F Portugal or whatever. The yeah. optics of that do, do look kind of iffy, but no, nah, I don't think it was him disrespecting the country at all. It was just livid, and I understand. Yeah, and um, at this point, that'll leave. Uh, yeah, uh, then the, in Group A, the UEFA Group A for the World Cup qualifiers of 2022, Serbia now currently sits um, up top after that draw there. And, um, well, they're tied on points with um, Portugal, tied on GD as well. They just have a more goals for. Um, and uh, Portugal sit now with four points one, in the uh, advance of the second round phase. But with a win against Serbia today, that would have put them number one in the group with, you know, leading the uh, chase for qualification to the World Cup. And so this, if anything, just further extends their um, – I guess, their journey, which didn't need to happen. No. And their next match is against <laughs> the mighty Luxembourg. Who, who sit just behind them. The, uh, who defeated the Republic of Ireland. <laughs> a hotly contested game. A little one-nil game. The Republic of Ireland, who I think we spoke about briefly off the pod, um, long are gone are the days when they had uh, <laughs> Robbie Keane. Um, but they look, they look like some hot ass right now um, and throughout um, the European qualifiers um, and, and these World Cup qualifiers, but they've been looking like some hot ass and a loss against Luxembourg kind of sort of uh, sums up how they've been thus far, in my opinion. What, make, what, what do you make of that? I mean, like you said, gone are the days of Robbie Keane. It's not the 1994 World Cup anymore. <laughs> it's a sad demise. But maybe some Irish talent will come out of the woodworks in a few years' time. The hottest clubs in Europe are going to want this Irishman. And maybe he might can lead Ireland to some promise. But that isn't all guaranteed because we're looking at Norway right now. And they got Holland. They got Odegaard. But... They're sitting in fourth in World Cup qualifying. Yeah, Ireland. Um, do you hate to see it? But yeah. What it these? What it these? I told you I was going to say this a hundred times this episode. But moving on, I mean, uh, that wasn't the only uh, hotly contested game on the Iberian Peninsula or uh, the only game featuring a team from the Iberian Peninsula. Uh, Spain today. As you mentioned. They had uh, uh, quite the game today in their own respective UEFA group and group. B, which they currently sit second behind Sweden, um, who recently saw the return of these Zlatan Ibrahimovic, aka uh, Mr. Problematic, aka Maga Ibra, uh, or Zlatan Maga Himovic. No, that was too much. Um, you get where I'm trying to go. But, anyways, Mizga, make Sweden great again. Yeah, <laughs> Mizga. <laughs> um, well, Spain today, uh, after drawing versus Greece on uh, Thursday, Played today, Georgia, who uh, sit in fourth, just ahead of Kosovo, um, with zero points. Um, it was uh, the Georgians who actually uh, went ahead first, and things looked all but a little, a little bit stressful for uh, Luis Enrique's men. However, the young boys did come through and make did it a game. Ever. Oh, yeah, made it a game with Ferran Torres, getting the young Ferran Torres of Manchester City, uh, getting a goal off just shortly after the beginning of the second half. But and the Diego. winner from Dani Olmo. Woo! At a time of, of the second half, 
to give Spain the dub. I'm sold on Dani Olmo. He, he's that guy. Spain 2, Georgia 1. So Spain have four points now. Um, that draw to Greece was unexpected. Them losing to Georgia was unexpected too. But they got the job done. And they, they might have something they got to work on. But it's qualifiers for the World Cup. I don't think Spain will fuck this one up. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think Spain's got it. Um, their group, um, although slightly competitive uh, with Sweden in there, um, Greece, Georgia, and uh, Kosovo. I mean, I, 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 I highly doubt that they have any issues qualifying. But, I mean, much to my surprise, this match, which should have been or could have been pretty customary for the Spanish, an easy win, turned out to be something that was quite competitive. And, um, hey, you, you love to see it. Do you love to see Germany's new black kit? I was a bit confused in seeing it, to be quite honest with you. I'm not going to hear the jerseys quite yet, but I just didn't see it coming. And um, listen, man, uh, it, it looked like um, those black jerseys gave them something because Iceland had nothing for them over the week uh, on Thursday when they played. Yeah, and over the weekend, neither did Romania. Courtesy uh, of the ball from Serge Gnabry, a.k.a. El Weekend, a.k.a. El Fin de Semana, a.k.a. The Weekend. Y'all heard it. And he scored on the weekend. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> the joke, they, they write themselves. They just write themselves. But um, that could be Germany's, you know, attire to depart from Juggy Love, who a few weeks ago announced he was going to depart from the national team after the European Championship. How excited is that? Hey, man, listen. Uh, we've, been, we, we've been talking about it for months on end. I've been incorrect about many a manager, but uh, I did call for Jurgen Love to step down. I was like, uh, and you agree with me on this one. So I would say we, we uh, called for Jurgen Love's time to be over. It seemed like Germany was going nowhere fast and the dynasty was uh, just all but over. You know, uh, I guess fortunately for my predictions, which have been completely off, um, okay. uh, CC Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, well, I got the Frank Lampard one right too, but that is what it, it is what it is. Anyways, digress. Uh, low leaving uh, or love leaving, I think, uh, in my opinion, it's uh, about damn time. And I think yes. Tom, Thomas Miller will say the same thing. Yes, Thomas Miller was, again, not called up for this round of German international matches. Ooh, when that September FIFA window comes along and the new German manager, whoever he may be, is like, yo, I'm going to bring you in, Thomas Muller. It's going to be lit. Because he deserves to be on this German squad. And you would think that Jürgen Love, swan, swan Song, would bring him back, you know, so Germany could be a competitive at the Euros. Um, not to say that they won't be, but remember, they're in the group of death. France, Portugal, Hungary. But, I don't know, man. I, his time should have been up after the 18 World Cup. When you're the defending champions, ending in last place, fourth place of four in your World Cup group with Korea, Sweden, and Mexico all ahead of you. Mm. I say that to say that those black kids could be, you know, to depart from Juggy Love. Ronnie, any chance uh, Hansi Flick of Bayern Munich, a.k.a. the architect of the 7-1, takes that job? or <laughs> if, if one happens, there's a whole domino effect in the Bundesliga. He'll take over for Jogi Love. That would bring on Julian Nagelsmann from Leipzig. That'd be quite the step up for the uh, the young promising coach who has been rumored with 
Uh, Tottenham Hotspur should Mourinho, in fact, be alleviated of his duties, which is quite possible. But that would be, I mean, I mean hey, listen, that'd be, like I said, quite the step up for Nagelsmann. A real big chance for him to make a name for himself. A lot of young German players and uh, a lot of good veterans. I mean, he's got, listen, whoever it is, they've got something to work with. And it's not even over there because probably the person to replace Nagelsmann at Leipzig would be Jesse Marsh, currently at Salzburg. Yeah, the young American um, alleged next up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you do have a point there. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> And I'm a little biased. Um, I interned with the New York Red Bulls, and Jesse Marsh was nothing but kind and respectful. Just throwing it out there. But, yes, away from the international footy, this week saw, as Elvi mentioned earlier in the podcast as well, Gareth Bale having some things to say. And <clears throat> it definitely got people talking. Um Gareth Bale said that coming to Spurs was to play football first and foremost. Going on to say that going to the Euros, he wants to be match fit. Again, Wales are in a group with Turkey, Italy, and Switzerland. The original plan was to do a season at Spurs after the Euros. He still has a year and plans on going back to Real Madrid. He still has a year at Real Madrid in his contract. That is my plan is to go back, and that's as far as I have planned. Um, the reaction was mixed. Some people were on the, the side of, hey, man, he's on loan. Who gives a fuck? Others, admittedly myself, were like, okay, sure. But you said the quiet part out loud. Mm. <laughs> you could have just said, like, I, I, like the, I enjoyed the opportunity of coming back to Tottenham. Had many memories here. Wanted to create some more. This, that, and the other. But I guess, like I said, he said the quiet part out loud. That's his truth. If I were a Spurs fan, I would be a little salty. But since I'm not, um, that was my POV. And <clears throat> I could drop a sovereign village, but I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me personally, I mean, I think he did sort of, I, I guess it was sort of, incorrectly politically correct because ultimately he still is a player for Real Madrid and he is making a hell of a wage there and as far as he knows it seems as if I mean I don't know I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it's not out of the normal to say something like yeah my plan is going back because in reality um it's a 50-50 chance and you know He's still technically a player for Real Madrid, although he's out on loan uh, at Spurs. So that's one hand of it for me. Um, I didn't feel necessarily any way about it, especially based on the way things have panned out for Bale this season. He's had uh, a long time even trying to get match fit. And even then, when he was allegedly match fit, didn't look so good on pitch. And then had a spurt of about five or six games where he looked like the man. Um, now... Um, in regards to him saying, you know, uh, the plan was, you know, I wanted to be matched for going into the Euros. Uh, I think at this point, you know, it's really, it's really for me, it's this. I don't think there's as much there as it seems. I understand where you're coming from, Ronnie. The fact that he did say the quiet part out loud, um, saying there's no distraction. I think, you know, he's basically saying that 
the, the plans have been out have been laid out until something changes, which I believe, you know, that's usually how loan situations or loan spells work. And should he, should should he have been playing much better this season? And I would imagine that he would have been in advanced talks with Spurs. Not to say that he isn't now about extending, but the truth is that he hasn't been playing well at Spurs as as well as he'd like to, I would assume. And um, we'll all but be probably going back to Real Madrid at the end of the season. And not only because of the way he plays, but that on top of the fact that his, his, his wage bill, even though it's cut in half for Spurs, is still up there with the most, probably the, he's the highest paid player in the Premier League, I believe. Still, I'm sure that that's a stress for the Spurs front office. It's a lot of money they, they're shelling out every week for someone who doesn't play often. So it makes a lot of sense. And um, I'm sure that, you know, saying that, he didn't have to say it, but he did not have to say it. Now, like you, Ronnie, there were some folks that did take that uh, a bit differently. Uh, former uh, <laughs> former Bale teammate, Jamie O'Hara, who did play on Arsenal and then to Spurs. So, I mean, how much can you really trust what he says? Um, just kidding, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> But he said that Bale is tarnishing his legacy at the club. He said he uh, spoke out of. Uh, he basically said that he spoke um, out of turn and disrespect the Spurs, where he basically made his name. Um, he said O'Hara, and I quote, says, "As players, uh, this is via Talksport. Uh, as players, we've all said things in press conferences and thought I probably shouldn't have said that. I don't think he's meaning to be disrespectful for, for Spurs, the Spurs fans, because he's done so well over there over the years. But it was disrespectful." Um, you can see how it was disrespectful, though, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, if, and I think if you look at it just out of turn, not out of turn, but if you, it, I guess it depends on how you look at it. And I guess for me, on the inside looking out, I can see what you mean. But um, to be quite fair, I also can see how it's just like sort of a politically correct statement or, or incorrectly politically correct because. You know, he, he probably doesn't want to be in bad faith with Real Madrid either, assuming that, you know, they're paying his huge wages. And I'm sure he doesn't want to lose that, uh, despite Real Madrid doing everything in their power to not pay that. Who knows? But, you know, we all know that Bale's situation at Madrid wasn't the best as he was coming to Spurs. And in reality, I guess everybody would have assumed that him leaving Madrid and coming to Spurs could have been the start of a new chapter for him. But that doesn't seem to be the case. It still seems like it's uh, whales golf and then club footy for Bale. So in that order. So uh, listen, he makes a lot of money, and, and his on pitch performances don't reflect that for Madrid or for Spurs. My, the whole thing I'm focusing on is, regardless of whether or not he said what he said, if he does in fact end up at Real Madrid next season, is there a chance that he'll even be back playing? Maybe that does depend. I don't on even know because I saw an article that said that. He wasn't even in their plans for 21-22. Right. So there's that. It may depend on how he plays in the Euros. Maybe he plays exceptionally. Who knows? But, um, yeah, the future is murky for Gareth Bale. Um, but, yeah, to me, it is what it is. Um, That's a man who, again, loves playing for his Nationals team, as you could tell. Again, he had a whole flag that said that he loves his National team. But there's that. Now, I do have one more thing to say really quickly. Um, I did want to mention, uh, so Jose Mourinho, you know I got to bring in the Jose Mourinho talks whenever they pop up. And he had an interview away from footy over the weekend um, with ST Sports Talk out in Singapore. 
And uh, there was a comment there that was uh, sort of, I would say, uh, that was picked up. And uh, it, he was talking in regards to the criticism he gets in football. And he said, and I quote, uh, you wouldn't ask a rocket scientist. Um, you wouldn't tell a rocket scientist about, about things going on at NASA. So why would you uh, try to tell one of the most important managers uh, of all time things about football? So tune his own horn a little bit. Uh, nobody, <laughs> else with, nobody else with Jose Mourinho. So I just wanted to mention that real quickly. Yeah. At least he's not lying about his profession, what he does. What is he, Dirk Jackson? Wow. I was waiting for that. And there it goes. <laughs> yeah, at least at least Mourinho knows what he's talking about. Derek Jackson is a fraud. You know who else is a fraud? The Canadian Olympic team who's down 2-0 right now to Mexico? No, but guess again. That's all I got. Uh... Prince William. Bald-ass, <laughs> bald man. Fake-ass bald. He got the little whiskers on top of his head. We see you trying to keep... How can you claim bald when you're trying to keep the hair you got? Uh, He's a halfway baldy. Looks like dry grass on a summer day. Yeah, fam. You got to embrace it. Because right now you got the, uh, as my little sister once said, the bridge to Terabithia going on. <laughs> <laughs> Again, for the record, I do a podcast with two of the finest bald men that I know. Woo! That's me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, two sexy bald men, and no, Prince William is not one of them. Yeah, uh, but but I think uh, is is it that time? Is it that? Is it BS the week time running? <laughs> I thought you would never ask. Do you have anything? <laughs> yeah, I have something slight. You know, with the international break, uh, you know, there's been a lot of commentary on teams, players, a lot of time for people Ooh. to sit back and say stuff and things of that nature and yada, yada, yada. Uh, I was uh, tuning into ESPN FC, which sometimes I do. And after it's done, I'm like, why did I decide to do that? Um, but as as I was doing that exact thing, the uh, fellas on there were having a conversation about the Portugal Serbia game, which did finish two two, as we mentioned before. Um, and Craig Burley of ESPN FC, who hey man, he sometimes he gives it to you straight like the doctor, and sometimes he has the hot takes that you'd be like, man, what are you talking about, fam? Today's comment, yesterday's comments, I should say, were uh, of the uh, latter, um, where he mentioned that. Somebody needs on the Portugal team needs to check Cristiano Ronaldo, and it was some wild shit. He said somebody needs to tell him he needs to stop taking free kicks so someone else can go ahead and get in there. Um, and of the players he mentioned, he said Bernardo Silva should be taking them and should be telling Ronaldo, "Hey, back off! It's my turn." Uh, fam, what are you talking about? He he went he went on to go ahead and say that the coach shouldn't be afraid to sub off Ronaldo late in the game if he's not playing well. <laughs> And to that, again, I say, fam, what are you talking about? We act like Cristiano Ronaldo, despite having poor games here and there, isn't the, the goal scorer of all goal scorers, especially in this generation. And if a game is on the line, that is somebody that you need on your squad. Craig Burley, you need to uh, go back to sleep and wake up on the right side of the bed because you tweaking, fam. You popped a flat and you beaming, fam. Come on. 
So BS of the week, Greg Burley, for just saying anything. <laughs> Ronnie, go ahead. What you got? Yeah, like you said, Craig Burley is um, a mixed bag, to put it um, kindly. He has valid points. Other times, it's okay. I'm I'm confusion, but I was confused about my BS of the week as well. So, um, we're going to Major League Soccer for this one. Sorry, um, American soccer fans. Um, I know oh, any criticism of. U.S. soccer MLS is triggering, but hear me out. MLS teams are just debuting uniforms, kits, tops, left and right. We saw New York City unveil a blue kit with some white accents. We saw the Red Bulls drop like some subliminal taxi theme. We saw the Columbus crew with a gray, a phenomenal gray kit. The yellow shorts, I'm not really quite a fan of. Replace those for black and um, the Seattle Sounders also dropped their new alternative kit, and it is an ode to Jimi Hendrix. Oh, no. <laughs> I almost forgot about this. <laughs> <laughs> Jimi Hendrix, of course, native of Seattle. I don't know much about the Sounders tradition with Jimi Hendrix, but apparently, like, he has this one bop where the Sounders fans sing before games. LV, um, help us out with that. A, a cover of uh, All Along the Watchtower, a classic Jimi Hendrix song off of his 1968 album, Electric Ladyland, um, which uh, is, has nothing to do with your BS. But in fact, uh, All Along the Watchtower is also a cover of a uh, Bob Dylan song of the same name. Speaking of covers, they they posted on Instagram a cover of that song. Some people thought the cover was bad, LV, you included. That shit was ass, man. Oh, my goodness. It was good <laughs> until Shorty started singing. No disrespect. Hopefully, she has a, uh, a budding and successful career, but goodness gracious. <laughs> so, that's not where my BS of the week comes in. The Jimi Hendrix kit is purple with orange accents. Um, in my opinion, the kids look pretty good. Alvi, what do you think? Yeah, no hate to the kids. No hate to the kids. And you rarely see purple in MLS or in any football kit for that matter. Because, you know, it's a new kit drop. MLS wants to get involved in the action. Because, you know, social media engagement. And I believe they committed a sin. They commented purple rain with three purple hearts. Oh, God. Womp, womp, womp. You might think, what's BS about that? And if you think that, uh, just have a long, hard look in the mirror, because something ain't right. Purple Rain is a Prince song. What MLS was thinking about was Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. That's why when I did my intro, I said Purple Haze all in my brain. <laughs> Bruh. Again, you made an error. That's fine. The BS comes when you left that shit up for the better part of two hours. And you see people coming at you like, wrong artist, motherfucker. Yeah. And uh, then they deleted it. They deleted the comment. So there was a comment and delete. It should have been um, a as, as someone from Minnesota, I was, uh, I was quite offended that they just name dropped incorrectly Prince himself, a.k.a. the Big Paisley Park, a.k.a. Minnesota first half stand up, you know. 
Just think about how Seattle fans feel that they oh. messed up on Jimi Hendrix Purple Haze. <laughs> Yo, what's up with the social media managers in 2021, fam? What's, what's going on? Hey, man. You know what's so ironic about this whole Prince Jimi Hendrix Seattle, Minnesota thing? What? The MLS season opens with Seattle versus Minnesota. Oh, what? See, now this has, <laughs> this has me feeling like it's some strategic marketing rollout, but I'm not going to give MLS the credit. They're, they're not thinking <laughs> that far ahead. Anything that far ahead. Uh, I thought about it like, oh, wait, the Sounders play Minnesota United to start the season. April 16th from Lumen Field in Seattle, Washington. Um, Again, another social media blunder that might have could have been avoided. Um, you try to sound cool, but you didn't know what you were talking about. BS of the week goes to y'all. Big uh, negative air horns for those guys. I can't even. Uh, it is what it is. That one because it just ain't. <laughs> it's not what it's not. Yeah, that's a. Big and what it's not is a Prince song in Seattle. Yeah, nope, nope. Uh, too soon and um, a, a whole other state too far and. Um, yeah, nah, they just they just wasn't it, fam. That's just wasn't it. <laughs> oh man, it's um shout out to the Sounders though. Their kit is you very unique. I like it. And with that being said, big Ronnie, the one the only. Do you want to go ahead and sign the boys off of the international break at, uh, edition of the Footy Misfits? Oh, don't worry. We'll talk about the games that happen next week, but we'll get to that when we get to that. For the good brothers, the good looking bald brothers spencer and lv i go by the name of ronnie the one who does have hair but that's neither here nor there we will see you again on episode 35 of the football misfits we thank you all for listening we thank you all for interacting with us on instant gram we love you all adios everyone Woo! prince williams go get a haircut with your little fake ass baldy. 